Yay, you're listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. I'm, Yay! I'm matching your energy. You're so Yay. bright and chipper. I found some good energy to bring to the table on this one. This is a a very weird one. Okay. Is just how we like it. <laughs> yeah. It's a Spokane one. <gasps> it's a... I found this great list while I was researching this one. Okay. I re-upped my newspapers.com subscription. Okay. And I also went to the library for this because I'm just kind of figuring out how to use the the index of the spokesman okay. to get to the microfilm. So we may be on some next level shit in 2018. Oh my That's all I'm going to say to goodness. that. Goodness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here's this. And if we have time. I'll do a Hecla update. If not, then it might need to be its own follow-up episode. Because she had what the kids call a bad picker. She was bad at picking them. And I'll, I'll just leave that at that for now. <laughs> but this story has a lot going on in it. Okay. And, uh, oh, and I also went and got some updated Han stuff. Because uh, this is kind of like Han, in that there's a house and there's mysterious doings and there's money and there's disappearances oh and God. all that kind of stuff you just have like this breadcrumb trail of amazing words and i want to eat them all yes well i found a list of i tweeted about all this the 17 millionaires who lived in spokane in 1910 yes and it cracked me the hell up how many of them we've already covered oh yeah like we've got dc corbin mm -hmm. and his son we had uh louis davenport yes there was um who else was in there Asa campbell okay and one of them was the star of this week's show f lewis clark Wow. Have you heard anything about F. Lewis Clark? Have you ever heard of this guy? I don't I don't think so. I don't know if he's the Clark of Patsy Clark, but Nope, different one. Okay. Who is it, also one of the 17 millionaires. Oh, well, that stands to reason it's a big fucking house. Every yeah. time every time you kept texting me saying you had something about F. Lewis Clark, I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. Wait, which one? Lewis or Clark? <laughs> I know, it's fucking ungoogleable. Because oh, it's gotta be, right? <laughs> Ungoogleable is an amazing word. <laughs> it's like you don't think I'm going to be good at you googly. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best lines in cinema. Yes. Anyway, here's the story of F. Lewis Clark, the ungoogleable man. Um, <laughs> he was one of the millionaires. He was a guy who was born on the East Coast in Maine. And he was educated at Harvard and okay. he moved out to Spokane in 1884. And he was, he became very rich very fast. He was in all the things that you do to make money back then. So like mills, <laughs> mines, trains, trains yeah, lumber, banking, real estate. Real Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah. <laughs> With less marrying. He only got married one time. <laughs> oh, uh, he married pity. his wife, Winifred, which is a name that I want to have come back because I think it's beautiful. Aww. And Winifred was really accomplished. You know, she studied music in Paris. She was great at playing the piano. She was beautiful. She was okay. charming. They got married in 1892. Okay. And they had a son, Teddy, in 1895, who also went to Harvard uh, when he was a little older, obviously, not when he was born. Are you sure? Uh, 
So F. Lewis Clark, who hit, the F is for Francis, and oh. I don't know, again, why he didn't use it, because I love the name Francis. Oh, my dad. We both do, I think. Yeah, <laughs> my dad's first name is Francis, and he shortens it to F, because he hates the name Francis. That's my grandpa's name, and it's also my uncle's name, and he goes by his middle name. All right, so they were definitely a Spokane power couple. He was uh-huh. like six foot tall. He was dark, very handsome, kind of on the slim side for most of his life, kind of shy. Okay. He was kind of an introverted guy, but very bright. And cleverness often goes along with some shady dealings, I've noticed, as hmm. we've been doing this show. And some of the first mentions that I find of him in the newspaper records are two lawsuits, which are kind of hard to parse at least I read the articles a couple of times and what I think is happening in the first one Mm -hmm. is that Francis and his partner basically bought a bunch of shares of this mining company and parceled them out to a bunch of people who worked for them so that they then had the majority on the board used that majority on the board Mm -hmm. to then sell the original company at a very low price to a separate agency owned by F. Lewis Clark and his friend. So basically, Uh-oh. they used their money to take over the company and sell it at a huge discount, and he was being sued over that. By whom? That, that by was, uh, by one it? of the actual um, <laughs> one of the actual like trustees of the company who was like, I just, you know, earned oh. money and bought these shares and I never would have agreed to sell this. And like, you did this without consulting gotcha. anybody and you just had a secret meeting with all your little puppets. Like, gotcha. This okay. is garbage. Okay. I was, I and was then, like, he's suing himself for shitting up the deal. I don't get it. <laughs> no, the, the non fully owned and operated subsidiaries of F. Lewis Clark, gotcha. the guys who, who didn't get the payday. Gotcha. They're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Right. And there was another, what the fuck a couple years later when, What he seems to have done, or at least what he was accused of having done, is basically conspire with the bank and the assessors to knock down the value of another mining company right before a sale so that his friend could snap it up at a really low price and then cut Francis in on some of the deal. That is like exactly Richard Gere in Pretty Woman. Is it? As far as I can tell. That is 100% the plot of Pretty Woman. I've never seen it, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> don't see it. I just told it all to you. You, you That's totally. Yeah, you don't and need Julia to. Julia Roberts is the person who used to own the company? I won't spoil it for you. Okay. <laughs> it's the Pretty Woman Mining Company? Yeah, exactly. these are named all great things like Last Chance and Buffalo Hump and all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, I love it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, the buffalo hump. It's kind of like the Tacoma screw. Yeah, uh, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Dirty. Yeah. So I bring these up not to unnecessarily smear his name, but because stuff's going to happen later that's going to make you say, did he have any enemies? Oh. And the answer is, oh, yes, he did. <laughs> uh, I, I would say so. So that's sort of the first chapter in F. Lewis Clark's life is the the gaining of the fortune. Okay. And once he was rich, what he loved to do was yachting. He was a quintessential rich guy of the era. He loved yachts. He had his own yachts. He used to race yachts. He actually got to represent the United States in the 1907 Summer Regattas (laughs) and won a bunch of first place awards, which meant he got to meet Kaiser Wilhelm. 
So again, in the question of did he have enemies later in life? <laughs> I think I he know. was tight with the Kaiser. <laughs> he was tight with the Kaiser. Oh mm-hmm. my. Yes. Uh, they got to go to the Kaiser's summer palace. Mm, yeah. I'm sure they uh, so did. He liked to sail around. He would sponsor, you know, yachting competitions and pay for the awards and everything. And he actually also sponsored a competition once to rename the concept of dry farming because he thought it was misleading. And he's like, I will give $100 in gold to anybody who comes up with a better name, which I think is a great thing to do with your money is just be like, this is a stupid name for this. Yeah. Somebody come up with something better. I'll pay yeah. you. Yeah. Tell me, though, what what is dry farming? I looked it up. It's dry land farming. So basically farming someplace like Spokane, where you've got very low rainfall. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, dry farming. Misleading. Dry farming. Yeah, do something better. Yeah. So with all that money, he also did what I love when they do, which is he built not just one beautiful house, but two. And I bet you can guess who he got for the architect. (gasps) Was it Kirtland Cutter? It was Kirtland Cutter. Oh, and Kirtland man. Cutter built him one beautiful home in Spokane, which is now either known as the F. Lewis Clark House or Mary Cliff. It's right up on 7th, like about, it's on Stevens, about a block in from Washington. And it's pretty, but it's kind of, it's like Tudor style. It's lovely, but it's not like if you saw it, you would pull over. All right. Pretty. And he also built a place on Hayden Lake in Idaho. He had a five-mile stretch of the Hayden Lake shore. Oh, wow. And built this place called Honeysuckle Lodge and had, you know, electricity. He had guest houses. He had houses for the servants. They had a private zoo. Gold everything. Art this. Yacht that. Diamond the other. Jesus. You know, welcome to MTV Cribs 1914 edition. Yeah, right? Yeah, no expense was spared. Spared no expense, spared Jurassic no expense. Park style. Yep. <laughs> they had a very nice place. But, sadly, they didn't get to stay in Honeysuckle Lodge for very long. Aww. They got four years there. He was starting to get sick. He was in his Aww. late 40s. Winifred was in her early 40s. According to some, he was losing a lot of weight. He was in a lot of chronic pain. He may have had some kind of cancer. Okay. But this is something that seems to have been sort of grafted on after the fact, because what we do know is that they used to like to go down in the winter to Santa Barbara, California. And on January 16th, 1914, F. Lewis Clark, Winifred, his valet, and his chauffeur rode in their limousine or their car. I assume it was a limousine. uh, (laughs) To where Winifred was going to get on a train and go visit some people. And so he kisses Winifred goodbye. Okay. And he talks to his chauffeur and he says, you know, can you give me a key to the side door of the hotel where we're staying? And I'm going to walk back and can you meet me at nine o'clock at the hotel the next day? So basically dismisses his ride. Yeah. And is never fucking seen again. Wait, what? The Seriously? End. Yep. Shit. That's it. We don't know. So this is where the mystery begins of what the hell? What the and fuck? And of course, you know, he's a millionaire. He's, I've, I saw, there was one article that like got picked up by a lot of newspapers in the 30s or so, and they described him as an eccentric. I've never seen any other evidence that he was an eccentric guy. Uh, okay. I think that was just a better story than normal kind of boring millionaire 
yeah. up and vanishes. Yeah. So a couple days after he disappears, they find his hat about a mile offshore. So they're in Santa Barbara. You know, he's near the wharves. He's near okay. the water. And they say they find his hat a mile offshore. And the newspapers at this point are flipping back and forth between, we think he's alive, we think he's dead. Oh my gosh. Winifred, at this point, is in denial as who can blame her. And she says, I think he went someplace to feel better. Like, I think he went to a sanitarium or something. I think he might have ended up in a hospital. Okay. My thing is every article I picked up took it as completely read that it was his hat and gave no indication as to why. Yeah. I'm like, every dude wore a hat in 1914. Yeah. not that diverse. No, they you know? really weren't. Like, unless his name was in the brim, I don't know how you decide that this is his hat and not the hat of, like, any other dude who was near a breeze in January. <laughs> Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's Over fair. Over his hat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, well, let me grab a chunk right. of articles. I'll be right with you. So, yeah, there is this hubbub going back and forth in the days after he disappears where people are like, did he jump? Was there foul play? Is he actually okay? And he just is someplace else and is like taking a break. We have yeah. no idea. Yeah, that's the first half of January is, you know, drama, tension, what's happening, where is he, is he alive, is he dead, if he's dead, did he do it to himself, or did somebody else do it, or what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Then, all of a sudden, the papers blow up. Spokane millionaire is kidnapped and held for big ransom, says letter. Blackmailer holding F. Lewis Clark, who has been missing since January 17th, wants $75,000. What? Yes. Now, this shocked the heck out of me because I had not encountered this in some of the other stuff I'd been reading about him. Yeah. Here's what the deal was. Is back in the day, there was this guy. But essentially what's happening is the police get a letter saying, we have him, he's fine, but we're going to ask for $75,000 and reply to us in the newspaper. And Winifred says, okay, that's fine. Like, I, I can give you $75,000. Okay. Yeah. Like, at this point, their Hayden home is worth about half a million dollars. Jesus. And the Spokane home is worth somewhat less, but still plenty. Like, $75,000 is within their means. Yeah. But okay. when they start pulling on the strings of this, here's what unravels. There are no kidnappers. He was not kidnapped. What has happened is there's this guy. When they break down into his apartment, they find a wall, old school, covered in clippings and press reports. He has been tracking all kinds of cases. And when he finds the right target, he dispatches one of the women he works with who pretend to be psychics. No. And one of these psychics has been preying on Winifred. So presumably, the psychic has been saying, I'm sensing that he's alive. I'm sensing that he's <gasps> okay. And then when they get the ransom note, Winifred is ready to think about this. No Isn't way. that like the most evil thing? Oh my gosh, it is. Yeah. What and he heck? also has more research at his fingertips than most people of the era. So he's able to send those psychics in psychics, quote unquote, yeah. with like these details and this all kind of stuff. Cause he's like haunting the telegram lines to, to get all this. No which way. Which would be such a good movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, it would be. Oh, that's fascinating. 
Yeah, and they had been ripping off, like, at least three other wealthy women in the California area using basically the same technique. No way. Yeah, and so I'm sure if she'd given them $75,000, they would have been like, well, we need another 50 grand. We need Yeah, exactly. More. Yeah. So that kind of messes up the case for a little bit, because, of course, everyone's like, he's alive? Wait, no, he's not alive. Mm -hmm. You're just lying. And so, again, goes back and forth. They start, you know, dredging by the dock. They, uh, really, the hat is their big clue that they have at this point. <laughs> The hat of dubious origin. Yeah. Yeah. And um, poor Winnie goes back to Spokane. She's like, I, I have to be by my family. All I know is that he was not well for a while. So this is where that kind of gets filled in. Yeah. And the hunt for him becomes this huge thing. So there's people like looking through the beach, looking under stuff, looking in the water. They even uh, dynamite parts of the bay trying no to way. bring him up do you remember in huck finn when no. they're looking for him and they like shoot cannons out over the river to no. try to make the body rise i didn't remember that even a little bit that sounds awful yeah why well, does that work i had to look it up it doesn't um <laughs> but the logic at the time was that what was keeping people down was their gallbladder and so if you like concussed it and it exploded they would float <laughs> Which, you know, wow. bodies float when they're going to float, and they ain't when they ain't, yeah. is basically how it works. So I think the dynamite may have been like, let's shake stuff up, or it may have been a similar principle of, you know, we may be able to shake him loose. We Okay. Ooh. Yeah, and all they've got is a hat said to belong to Clark was found on the beach about a mile from the wharf. And now there's people starting to say, oh, you know, they were fighting. He was sick. People are going back trying to fill in a reason. Okay. Then his brother-in-law, no, wait, her brother-in-law. Her brother-in-law. Winifred's brother-in-law. Okay. Uh, announces a reward of $5,000 if you can find him alive, or $200 if you find his, his body. Oh, no! Uh, <laughs> and at this point, so this is from a week later, and um, this brother-in-law says, we are unable to disabuse our minds of the possibility that Mr. Clark is in some sanitarium hospital or even held in duress in this vicinity. So they're having that problem that you have when you have no body, which is anything could be happening. Right? Yeah. You just don't know. You don't have that closure. Anything could be happening. And so we'll speculate wildly as to which it is in the newspapers, yeah. making it a lot harder for Liz to research later. Yes. Mm. They find in February a body. Doesn't turn out to be his. Don't know whose it was. Article didn't say. Wow! And didn't matter. <laughs> then, as they say, the trail goes cold. <gasps> okay. Until what? 1929, where this young woman comes forward, and I've got to get her name right because it's great. Mrs. Margaret Kelly hey. who went by also marie ella allen and also went by clarice the blonde <laughs> she's <laughs> so, definitely related to me yeah you kind of get a picture of, of clarice ella margaret and and what her life was like yes and so what she rolls forward with in 1929 so 15 years later is she says I was in on that killing in 1914. They gave me $800 to help and to keep quiet. 
I was with a gang at the time, and they did this, and that's what happened to him, and I want you to, you know, I'll I'll testify in exchange for some safety. She comes forward with this. Yeah, and the problem is... It's not like they're going to do some DNA testing, right? Right. She confesses this. She tells it in front of a jury. She eventually gives them the name and everything. What? Why this seems to be happening now is that she's been married to the same guy for a couple of years, and now he's threatening a divorce. So maybe that's why she's like, and under the bus with you. <laughs> Off you go. Yeah. So her version is that she didn't know that they were going to kill him, but that this was an intentional assault because they knew he was rich and they were trying to get his money. Okay. Yeah. So she goes and she tells this to jury and she says, you know, here's, I'm going to name names. So-and-so is a racketeer. She names somebody who she calls Blackie (laughs) and all kinds of good stuff like that. All right. And... But here's where that lands, is the police chief says, you made this up, and even if you didn't, it's too old to be proved true or false. Oh, all right. Yeah. So his, what he basically has to say about this is that some of her story doesn't line up, and some of the rest of what she says can't be verified, because, you know, they can't say, oh, you know, you and this mob member lived at this hotel at this time, like, the records are gone. Yeah. All this kind of stuff is unverifiable, and... After they question her, she says, the police have done all they can do, I guess. Maybe I'm crazy. It all seems like a dream now. There's something funny about the whole works. I hope I'm not goofy. What? And so her conclusion is that she's just going to go back to Los Angeles and forget about this. No. She says, if it was a dream, it was a bad one. (laughs) She's just letting herself off the hook in every way possible. Yeah, she really took that in stride. Like, instead of being like, I know the fuck I saw, she's like, all right. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I was wrong. If I was wrong, how weird is that? Simple feminine brain just mushed around and thought I saw this famous guy get killed when I didn't. (laughs) How? All right. All right. Yep. She's not committed. She's not at all committed to her story. Yeah, so this then, over the years, gets... Um, morphed into her repudiating her confession, which I think is different than being aggressively questioned and gaslit so hard that you give up. <laughs> it's, you know, it's one thing if you're like, sorry, I just wanted attention, you're right. And if you're like, I'm so confused because I really thought that's what happened, but you're telling me it's not. I guess I had a bad dream. Yeah. It's kind of a different reaction. It really is, right? Yeah. So... This is kind of where things land for a while. And unfortunately, it takes seven years to pronounce somebody dead. So Winifred doesn't have access to a ton of money, and she ends up having to sell off some of the homes. She lives in a pretty modest place and dies a couple years later. Their son, who's at Harvard at the time, you know, finishes up, has a nice life. He lives till about 49. Is that all? And... That's all. We still don't know where F. Lewis Clark went. We don't know what happened. We don't know, did he kill himself? Did somebody else kill him because they were trying to rob him? Like, 
And it's the kind of thing that's so far in the past and so not subject to contemporary CSI that I don't know, like, was it normal for him to say, like, hey, chauffeur, you drive back, I'm going to walk? Right. Is that the kind of thing he would have done? Yeah. I have no fucking idea. But I have a couple other things. Okay. One thing is that Honeysuckle Lodge, over the years, went through a life kind of like the Davenport, in that, like, people built fires in it, and they knocked out the marble, and they destroyed it until... Somebody came along and started restoring it. And oh. now it's beautiful and you can stay there. Really? Yes. They had so many pictures of like celebrities visiting and so forth that the interior was pretty well documented. And they did their best to really put it back the way they think it would have been. Now that's cool. Isn't that great? Yeah. We still don't know. He's on Wikipedia's list of people who disappeared mysteriously because. I mean, we talked about this before, that people after the fact saying, no, so-and-so wasn't suicidal means absolutely jack shit. As does people saying, but, you know, they had future plans. It's like, yeah, you know what? People also brush their teeth right before they take an entire bottle of pills. Exactly. It's not a logical thing. You know, people don't close up shop usually. Right. But, you know, was he sick? We don't know. There's no body to autopsy. (sighs) We don't have his medical records. Was he fighting with his wife? I don't know. That just pops up in, like, one article. Right. I did get from a Spokane author named Jamie Ford. Sorry, actually, Great Falls by Way of Seattle. But he did write this story called Wish You Were Here at the Bottom of the Well. Mm. which I found out about. And I was like, this sounds interesting because F. Lewis Clark is basically like a handful of blog posts on a Wikipedia page. I'm yeah. like, okay, a short story. This is interesting. Yeah. It was good. It was like a horror story because he had his hand in so many things. Like he sold the land that the Davenport is on and he was a founder of the Spokane Club. And in this short story, which is very Stephen King, he finds out that Winifred is cheating on him and tricks her into coming down to like an unfinished part of the club and pushes her down this old well. Oh. And then she comes back and pushes him down the well, and that's why he disappeared. Wow. Now, this obviously doesn't even line up with the slim amount that we do know no. about, you know, Santa Barbara or whatever, but it was still fun to read. Well, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> How do you not be like, oh, okay, I'll read that anyway? Yeah, exactly. I don't know where people can find it because I got it just by actually tweeting at forward and saying i can't find this (laughs) and he just sent it to me like a champ but what a gentleman i feel like there should be a book about this and maybe we're gonna have to write it or at least a chapter because what the hell what the hell what the hell millionaire and he disappeared imagine if like Shaq or mm-hmm. Kanye or mm-hmm. kim kardashian or bill gates just were like all right well see you in the morning what the heck you don't just peace out like that you not in you know, yeah. today, for sure, you, mm-hmm. you, I'm so surprised that they could do it or that he was able to, obviously, like, I don't think he, I guess my sense is that he didn't disappear on purpose. He didn't, you know, spirit himself away to an island with all of his money. I assume he, 
fell on the beach, had an aneurysm, got washed out to sea, or, you know, was set upon by thieves and they dumped him in the river, or, you know, something like that. I I don't assume that he was alive for long. Yeah. But I don't know why I think that. That's just, like I said, my first... First thought with any story like that. Yeah, because I think it's one thing if you see somebody who, like, their career is going down in flames mm-hmm. and they're about to go to jail and then they disappear. You're like, okay, maybe you started a new life. But there doesn't seem to be much of an indication that this is what was happening. Like, they weren't yeah. in huge financial trouble. They weren't getting divorced. I get it why you're like, duh. it feels more like... Maybe just one of those things, like mm-hmm. they say, maybe the reason the Zodiac quit is he just had a heart attack, you know? That's kind of my maybe sense of that, too. It was just some stupid thing where he slipped on a wet plank yep. and went in and couldn't get out and washed out to sea, and that was it. Yep. The end. Yep. I mean, they certainly found a lot of other bones while they were searching for him. At one point, they found, like, a skull. They found a different skeleton. that was. They found, like, a person who'd been in the water a couple weeks, like... <sighs> the ocean gets ya. The- It'll get ya. <laughs> Don't turn your back on bears, the ocean, mm-hmm. or the dominant mm-hmm. turkey in mating season. Yep. Forest gonna get ya. Mountains gonna get ya. Ocean gonna get ya. It's all gonna get ya. They're you all out gonna here. get ya. Yep. Yeah. And I haven't heard any ghost stories about Honeysuckle Lodge or his home, which is now, his Spokane home is now like offices. So I wonder about that. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I hear more, I'll tell you. Yeah, but- I'm interested. Yeah, that's the story of F. Lewis Clark. F. Lewis Clark. One of the, you know, founding influential people of Spokane who just straight up fucking disappeared. Just vanished. Just, you know, one day saying, all right, I'll see you at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. And then never, ever, ever did. And then gone. (laughs) Uh, You don't have to include this or not, but uh, did Teddy have any kids that you you know of? Yes. Okay, so they've got descendants. He had at least one descendant who was in touch with the person who renovated Honeysuckle Lodge, which is quite nice, I think. Really neat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder what they make of all that, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, you wonder what story's been handed down in the family. What Mm -hmm. what his wife thought, you know, what Winnie thought. Did she think he had abandoned her? Did she think he was coming back? Did she, you know, other than the psychic, the fake psychic, you know, fucking her, stringing her along. It's just wild, because, you know, you always say somebody knows something, but when the whole generation and the generation after that die off and nobody's written anything or said anything, then there it goes. Uh, What do you make of Clarice the Blonde? Do you think she was just making it up for attention? Oh, I didn't. I'm not sure I followed that well enough to, Mm. uh, to really get a sense of her I would say she was making it up just because it, I mean, it sounds to me like she's got a past. She doesn't seem that reputable. So I don't know why she would make it up. Is it for the attention? Is it for the, I mean, that seems like a small payout that you get, but mm-hmm. maybe to her it was a big sum. I would do a lot for $200 these days, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, or maybe she like fell out with one of the people because that's yeah. where the police these days get a lot of stuff is, you know, you wait for somebody who knows something to get sick of yeah. The, yeah. the shit yeah. of somebody who you're trying to pin. And then they peach on them, Liz. They peach. They peached. Mm-hmm. What do you think? That was the thing is one of the guys she accused was in jail for violations of prohibition. Oh, man. 
Oh, man. Well, yeah, if I'm going to accuse somebody, you bet your ass he's already going to be in jail. And I'm going to know that he's going to serve a whole lot more sentence and I'm going to be gone before he gets out. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of her Mm -hmm. because I feel like the reporters and the police treat her with such disdain from the beginning Mm. that it's really hard to get a clear sense of what she was bringing to the table where she's like, yes, you know, this gang of people said they were going to do that. And nobody, she presumably talked to somebody for a long time, but it didn't get recorded and shared. So was her story coherent? Like, what do they mean when they say it didn't line up with stuff? Because it doesn't seem like they knew very much. No, exactly. Did they know something they didn't put in the papers? And that's how they knew that she was making it up? Or did they just not want to believe her? I'm really not sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, and then you got to wonder, like, was it a social class thing? You know, is that why they didn't believe her? Was it... um Yeah, they called her, and this is a great phrase, a veteran of the badger game. And I'd never (laughs) heard the phrase badger game before. This was quite the learning experience for me. Um, The badger game is the good old, hey, baby, come on up to my room. While we're getting down, the guy who has been in on this game with me is going to bust down the door, threaten to kill you, and then we're going to shake you down for money. Oh, gotcha. That's the badger game. That's the badger game. (laughs) All right. What it has to do with badgers, I don't want to know. (laughs) Yes, you do, Liz. Yes, you do. I'll explain it to you when you're older. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Yeah, you bet. But yeah, on the one hand, she definitely had been on the wrong side of the law a lot. On the other hand, that puts her in a better position to actually know people who have killed people. Mm -hmm. Well, that's accurate. just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know, my friend. F. Lewis Clark. F. Lewis Clark. F. You for leaving a mystery, man. I want to know what happened to you. Come on, Francis. Get it together. Yeah. Uh I don't think we're ever going to know. Right? Because if he went out in the ocean, then he's long gone. Like, unless somebody pops up and is like, my grandfather was F. Lewis Clark, and I can prove it with these diaries that he left in Florida where he lived afterward. And, you know, they're verifiable diaries and not hoaxes, like... (sighs) Yeah, to also take my blood and compare it to his grandkid that we know of. Yeah. Those are very good. Oh, thank you for bringing me such another good mystery. I wish there was a great, like, but wait, we found him. No, we just don't know. I mean, perhaps he will be found, and that just that's more mill for the grist, my friend, or more grist for the mill. There we go. Either or. Either or. Yep. But it's more for us yeah. to report on in the future. Do you have time for a Hecla update? Okay. So here's your Hecla update. And as a reminder, if anybody hasn't listened to the Han episodes, yeah. Sarah Smith, uh, also known as Hecla, mm-hmm. was the person who originally commissioned the house that we now know as the Han Mansion. Yes. And she was a bit of an eccentric. Uh, She (laughs) never really lived in the Han Mansion because she was hooking up with this guy who, Ralston Wilbur, when I read about him in Spooky Spokane, it said he was selling mining equipment. What I actually found is that if you look up him over the years, he was a bit of a uh, con artist in the jewelry line. (laughs) So, (laughs) intriguing. What an intriguing 
lifestyle. You uh, heckle, and then got involved with her. <laughs> you didn't yeah, choose so she, the right one. No. She was married four times. <gasps> and the first one was just somebody she married sort of quickly when she was young. Uh, he left the picture. I assume they got divorced. Then she marries the guy from Hecla, who yeah. gives her all the money. Then she, when he dies, she gets all the money. They get married, like, Anna Nicole Smith style, like, really soon before he dies. Okay. Then she marries Ralston Wilbur, and that doesn't work out. No. And then she gets together with Scollard. And George Scollard is the one who, when they're on their honeymoon, he's like... I gotta go for a second, because they're oh, fighting. Right. And hauls ass all the way up to right. get into the safety deposit box. Right. Right. And cleans her out, like, beats her by an hour, right? Yeah. It's pretty close. And actually, he got some of the money, but he could have gotten a lot more money, is what I kind of gathered. It's, oh. It wasn't, like, a, a thorough thing. But... Okay. Some weird stuff then ends up going down with this last husband of hers. Because they're kind of like, separated together, separated together. She didn't really trust any of them with full information about her money. She Mm. used to apparently carry up to a million dollars in cash in her coat. (laughs) Like, she would hide money everywhere. She would hide it in the lining of her coat. She would hide money in a clock. She would hide money in furniture. Oh, man. And one of the things that they said about her, too, is she was incredibly... I don't really know what to call this. Basically, the fact that she was a millionaire did not stop her from basically low-level grifting everyone at all times. So, she would, like... She was a hustler, baby. She was a hustler. She would get in on, like, poker games and steal your pennies. She... (laughs) She would not spend money on going to the dentist. Like, wow. She was, she said her goal was to always fool the lawyers. But unfortunately, one of the things that went wrong is she did not get her income tax quite right. Oh, heckla. And this got bad. This was putting her fortune in peril. You know, she doesn't, of course, want to pay the tax man anything. Right. Yeah, she loved to swipe little denominations of money and hide money everywhere. (laughs) And then something went weird, which is she disappears for a couple years. Where'd she go? Mm, Well, what happened was she disappeared and one of her lawyers is going looking for her husband and for her. Because okay. one of the things that they figured out is when George Scollard married Hecla, yeah. he actually had divorced the woman that he loved in order to be with Hecla, and then said, Sarah, Hecla, I found this great young woman who would be a great secretary for you. It was his first wife. Was his first wife? Oh, yeah. oh shit. Which is, uh, That's a bold Hecla. move, Cotton. Yeah, <laughs> let's see if it pays off for him. Well, uh, <laughs> so it gets a little weird. So one of the things is they used to call her Cash and Carry Sarah because she didn't really trust Jesus. banks. All right. What's the matter, Hecklite? You assume everyone is as dishonest as yourself? Yeah. Or your freaking husbands. Well, that, Yeah. Yeah, so to recap, so her second husband died four hours after the hasty ceremony and left his millions to Sarah. 
apparently, like, every house that she lived in, she would stash money everywhere to the point where, like, she actually didn't know how much money was in there. You could kind of take off of it. <gasps> oh, yeah. I, I wonder. Um, oh, she never lived at the Han Mansion. That's right. I was like, um, I wonder how much money's in those walls. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. And then there was the fight. And then she engages the services of Walter Brown, who is what they called in those days a capitalist, but is also a lawyer. Because he, you know, she's had this incident with the Internal Revenue Service. She's gone and hid in Canada for a little while. And a year after she's working with Brown, he vanishes. And what seems to have happened is a lot of money was getting into Brown's accounts mm-hmm. and out of Sarah's accounts, mm-hmm. and she disappears. Mm-hmm. And then one day, a representative of the Brown family meets up with the guardian of Sarah's estate. And because at this point, people are in the newspaper are like, she's dead. You yeah. murdered her. What the hell happened? What's going on? And the member of Brown's family says, you're looking for Mrs. Smith. Here she is. And hands over a bag containing a silver urn full of ashes. <gasps> what? Yeah. Two years after she's disappeared. And what? then they've come up with a death certificate and a certificate of cremation from Canada. Oh yeah. my goodness! Well, what what and was the cause of death? What we don't know. Let's see. They we said bronchopneumonia. You know, autopsy that though. <laughs> Horse flu, bronchopneumonia. Yeah, bronchopneumonia. And the thing <laughs> is, it's a representative of Brown's family because not long after she died, he got hit by a car and died. <laughs> so all <laughs> his embezzling. Oh no! Got him nothing. <gasps> Oh, no. Yeah. So what they ended up having, so it's various heirs who are looking after this, right? Because, like, if you know your great aunt is Hecla, you're like, God damn it, dude. Like, where are you going and where are you taking the money? Right. And finally, they show up and they're like, okay, well, on the plus side, she is dead. On the downside, here's what I have for you. It's a bag with an urn in it. And on the downside also, all they managed to recover was 56 cents of her estate. Ah, what? (laughs) Come again? How? How was that all? Because dudes had been walking away with it with their hands full for the better part of 30 to 50 years. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh no. So yeah, all oh her money God. went someplace, and I my guess is the only winner in this was the widow of the lawyer, and uh, <laughs> I I think that might explain why she didn't show up with the ashes for two years. She may have been like, "This will blow over. This will." And oh my God, she is wherever F. Lewis Clark ended up, uh-huh. or the money Isn't is. That a hell you know of what a I mean? Thing, like what the heck? She, she, they just show up with her ashes. Like here's normal. Here's a normal thing to do to prove that somebody didn't get murdered, right? <laughs> <laughs> I show up with ashes and with a death certificate from a different country. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you mention it? It wasn't the right time, or oh, but yeah, I wanted you to grieve properly. I just it- yeah. I mean, when is the right time, honestly, to hand over a Folgers can full of your aunt? 
God. Good yeah. And gosh. there's just like, you know, articles going, rich woman who vanished two years ago reported slain. An Oakland woman declares rich sister held captive. And, and their, yeah. uh, their response to this is, here go, here's some ashes. No further questions. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Really, Liz, all I'm learning is that if I'm going to be a millionaire, I shouldn't do it in Spokane. Because they just up and walk about. (laughs) Yeah, they seriously do. Mm, Man. Terrible. Oh, man. That house is just bad news bears, I guess. It seriously is. Oh, it seriously is. Poor Heckla. Poor Heckla is right. Mo money, mo problems, Heckla. (laughs) I would like a little more money, though. Mm-hmm. Just in general, I could do a few more problems. I could, I could handle it. Yeah. yeah, I'll say when. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll let you know. Just keep it coming. Mm-hmm. Keep making oh, it rain. Gosh. And when I start to drown, you'll know. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of a little more money, yeah. Uh, if people want to throw us a little more money for the new year, yeah, uh, you can f- come find us on Patreon. Yes. Slash Ouija Broads. We're always putting up fun stuff there. Outtakes and lost episodes. We recently put up the Stanley Hotel episode that we did. Uh, <laughs> art. We've got a lot of stuff planned. We've got a lot of stuff planned for 2018. So much in the works. Some of it you'll find out when it happens, and some of it we'll talk about in advance. But I want to keep growing the show. Mm-hmm. We're do our perfume line. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover a lot more cool topics. Mm-hmm. We're talking about doing a book. Devin, do you want to talk about some of the art stuff you're doing? Well, folks, you need to know all about the cryptids that are in the Pacific Northwest because my number one mm-hmm. goal here at Weech Broads is to keep you safe. And cryptids, <laughs> as you know, are monsters. And so I'm going to put together a little map that tells you places you either want to avoid or explore, depending on your feelings about staying yeah. safe. Uh, I have a new sticker in the works. I mean, the book is pretty stupidly exciting, but that one I want to keep a little closer to the vest until it's mm-hmm. more of a thing. I have to tread lightly with my art projects or my brain, my little lizard brain, gives me the dopamine response just for talking about my goals without actually yes. reaching them. Talking about the thing is not doing the thing. It's not so doing true. the thing. It's not yes. doing the thing. Well, for all your Ouija Broads news, you should go to our website at OuijaBroads.com or join us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where we're always posting good stuff. Mm-hmm. Ah, thank you to our patrons for your support uh, last year and now this year. And we would like everybody to live weird. Die weird. And stay weird thank you so much for listening thank you for listening go kick 2018's ass this is the year of you my friends